And you never walk away from the table when you're on a heater. Get ready! Woo! We are on tour, and we're doing it better than anybody else alive! This is the Cutline Podcast with your host, Michael Cavalunis. hot it's bigger it's badder it's bolder it's the houston open and the cut line is going to break down this week's pga tour event we missed you i missed you i know a lot of you missed me reaching out on twitter via every single avenue of approach where you been cut line where you been easy answer easy fix we've been improving the website we've been looking at the boss wing improving the process getting ready for the big dance you know, come in January at the Century, right? And then when the Masters comes around, we're going to max out that Millie. So I've been doing a lot, doing a lot behind the scenes, but Cutline is always going to be there for you. Now, the Houston Open, we typically see this event right before Augusta, but I think I like it just where it is at. Hello, Canada. Hello, Australia. Hello, USA. Hello, UK. Hello, Ireland, Spain. Que pasa? What's up? Lithuania, New Zealand, South Africa, Indiana, we still love you. And a big shout out to our new head honcho in terms of listenership, Austin, Massachusetts. I love Boston. The whole entire East Coast is often one of my favorite trips just for the seafood. The food alone is a reason to go. Of course, the history of the, the whole East Coast, American history, and of course, the golf. Gotta love the golf. Now, the Cutline is brought to you by Fanshare Sports and CutlineGolf.com. You want the best ownership, research tools, etc. in the industry? There's only two, two websites that you should be checking out. CutlineGolf.com and FanshareSports.com. So signing up for Fanshare is pretty easy. Head over to the website, and once you've submitted all your information, type in the word Cutline in the discount option, and you'll get 20% off your monthly membership. It's worth it, people. It is worth it. Welcome to the Cutline. I'm Michael Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, L-I-U-N-A-S. New direction, new brand. We are going to be going to video soon. And of course, if you've listened to this show for a very long time, you know that these videos are going to be on fire. High production quality, good laughs, plenty of probably like spoofs. I'd love it if we could get Zach back for you old listeners. Love to get Manifer back, but we'll see. Uh, either way, we are going to do it cut line style. So make sure you keep sticking with us. In addition, custom models should be ready to roll this week. So make sure you check that out in the tournament model in the cut lines, uh, website. I know my boy, John Elliott is going to want a piece of that. He's looking for some big money this weekend. I think he's got a $50 single entry rolling this weekend. So let's keep it going. Let's keep it going. Now the cut line is here to give you DraftKings analysis, fantasy sports analysis, Vegas breakdowns. We've already got two outright winners for 2022. Well, kind of know this was coming. Do us a favor. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Slam that like button. Smash that like button. Give us five stars. Give us no stars. Whatever you want. 
yet we want you to subscribe get the updates to the cut line make sure that you subscribe to our newsletter still working on that we'll get that out to you guys and our little website man check us out at cutlinegolf.com so the cut line here is to bring is here to bring you in-depth DraftKings analysis of the Houston Open and we're going to do the best we can nice beaver thank you i just had it stuffed let me help you with that to make sure that you're cashing big on Sunday. We'll be sure to bring in timely wax, greenside sand traps, and a putt that might drop in through the back door. And of course, the goal of the cut line is to make sure that you're creating your best lineups, winning lineups, smashing lineups, cashing lineups, lineups that are kicking ass, taking names, scoring big, and getting everyone's favorite six of six golfers through the cut line. Cha-cha-cha. So, Houston Open, bada bing. Starts early Thursday. A little bit about Memorial Park back to the States, and we're going to have strokes gain data. So for you, those itching to get some stats to dive into, your long wait is over. Now, typically the Houston Open used to appear just prior to the Masters, but recent changes have put this tournament in November. I actually like it here. I do like it. And of course, it's difficult putting surface with the intention of the course being a strong draw for, uh, strong draw for players looking to prepare for Augusta National. High wind will determine the size of the high numbers, and you will see here, while the course tends to mirror what we'll see at Augusta, I would argue that the weather itself makes this tournament feel more like a U.S. Open event than anything else. Yet, don't fool yourself. The course plays nowhere near major conditions as the average winning score over the last five years. It's been 16 under par. Another aspect of this course is the greenskeepers will move, will, will more than likely have shaved runoff areas. So missing greens on approaches, you'll find nasty collection areas. This is one of the longer courses that players will see this year. At 7,432 yards, we're going to see plenty of drivers try to bomb between the semi-penal rough. Yet the one nugget about this course is that the entire sod is composed of Bermuda grass. This includes the rough as well. It isn't a reach to potentially do your research and look for golfers who have had success on similar style courses, but do keep in mind that the data set is somewhat limited. Now, the limited number of bunkers is intentional. Doke the designer was convinced that pros just really aren't that deterred by greenside bunkers and instead placed an emphasis on sloping greens, contours that mess with the pros putting breakdown and runoff areas that will penalize poor approach shots. While one of the narratives this week will be linked, make sure that you're not avoiding like longer approach shots and players that have had past success sticking greens from far, far away, including the par threes. Three of them play over 200 yards. One of the narratives I'm going to look at players who live and reside in Texas or on that West Coast, maybe that Arizona area, I think they have an advantage. Architect John Breedmus in 1935 and Tom Doak redid it with a little bit of help of Brooks Kepka in 2019. Bermuda grass greens, 7,000 square feet in terms of its green size. They are large. Stint meter, 12 to 12 and a half and fast. 7,432 yards, par 74 hat. Water hazards come into play with only 19 bunkers. Current weather conditions. We have wind in the afternoon that picks up. So for you showdown guys, take a look at that. But Friday, Friday is going to be scoring paradise if the weather holds up. No wind. Max of 10 miles per hour and it picks back up for the weekend. So past winners include Carlos Ortiz from last year, Lanto Griffin, Ian Poulter, Russell Henley. But the only one that really matters is Ortiz from last year because Memorial Park was played for the first time at the Houston Open last year. So all these other winners and wieners 
don't really matter. Now, key stats that we're looking at. Strokes gain off the tee, approach, ball striking, fairways gain, strokes gain par 5, and strokes gain par 3 that are 200 yards plus away. Bogey avoidance, similar courses, Golf Club of Houston, Quail Hollow, TBC San Antonio, TBC Scottsdale, and the Country Club of Jackson. But the important question is, who are we going to be playing this weekend? These two putts from victory. Only needs one. Ooh, got a member's bounce there, boys. That's birdie all day long. This is the Cut Lines Birdie Your Better segment where we will go over the Cut Lines top plays and fades for this weekend's Houston Open. And wow. This tournament isn't necessarily loaded, but it does have plenty of golfers that I have interest in. Long term, short term, for majors, futures, all this stuff. So we're going to dive into this top tier right away. We got Sam Burns, Scheffler, Sung J.M., Tony Fino, Matt Wolf, and Cameron Smith. And Terrell Hatton rounded off at 10K. So we're going to start out with Matthew Wolf. Now, I'm biased. I hate Wolf's swing. I really do. I think there's a huge issue with it. I can't stand it. I know he's... I get the success that he's had. I mean, he's won on PGA Tour, right? We saw him first-round leader last weekend. Ended up finishing at fifth. He's going through his mental health issues. Let's see. Was it... You know, he's never played here before, so that's kind of a concern. But the biggest issue with me and Matt Wolf, because I think ownership is trending that way, he has a very low fairway hit percentage in 2022. If he's missing fairways this weekend, we're going to have not a lot of opportunity to score. Especially when you're looking at these sloping greens that are going to go to collection areas. It's going to be hard for him to score, and you need to score this weekend in order to win. And this is not something that's like kind of like random or, or one of those aspects for Wolf. It's kind of historic. His game off the tee is not strong right he he's always struggled off the tee he's had the distance don't get me wrong we've seen that before we've seen him bomb and gouge courses i just don't think that this is the one that he's able to do it if you want to play him i get it because on strokes game par five in 2022 he ranks in the top 10 he ranks top five in par three scoring so there's a lot of scoring ability that he's just doing well but if if the off the tee game is that detrimental at 20-some percent ownership, that's a leverage spot. That's a leverage spot. And again, am I a little biased? Of course I'm a little biased. Of course I'm a little biased. I hate that swing. I do. I hate his swing. And I can't stand rostering him when he has a swing like that. And I understand that PGA Tour pros have had those weird obscure successful swings. You know, the first guy that always comes to mind for me is Jim uh, Jim Furyk. But still, I, I, I can't do it at this time for Wolf. He's got to prove it to me first. So Sam Burns is probably going justly owned at around 20% ownership. Scheffler, too. I think Scheffler's going to end up being the chalk donkey at like 22 23% owned. Um, Scheffler's never won on tour. So if you want to take a guy who has a chance to get, you know, kind of pop that tour win cherry, Scheffler's your man. In my overall stat model, Scheffler ranks number six. Burns ranks number one. I think he's going to have a solid year. 
he really came into his own at the end of last season. So far this year, he won at, at the Sanderson Farms, 14th at the Shriners, 5th at the CJ Cup. Haven't seen him since then, but still. How could you not consider rostering Sam Burns if you're MME? He is going to be highly owned, right? At 11,000, you need him to finish top two. So if you don't see Sam Burns doing that, you want to play the variance game, go ahead, fade Burns, fade Scheffler. And that brings us to Sung Im and Tony Finau. Two guys who kind of fit this course and don't fit this course. Sung Im ranks number two on Lee Aldrich's CSR, course suitability rating. And you can find that on FanshareSports.com. In my conference model, number two. In my overall stat model, number three. In my aggregate model, number four. Where Sung Jae becomes iffy is putting on fast Bermuda surfaces. He's never had success. Long term, he ranks in the top 40, just at 35th, but he is a scorer, right? He is a scorer. If you look at the PJ stats for 2022, things I like from Sung Jae. He's sixth in par five, 19th in par three. He's scrambling well. He's number one in scrambling. Sung Jae M at $10,700 is number one in scrambling. Pretty crazy. He came out in Sanderson, 31st, and followed that up with two top 10s. One at the Shriners, top 10 at the CJ Cup after his victory. $10,700 coming in at lower than expected ownership at only 13.2% right now currently on Fanshare Sports. So I think there's some leverage to be had if you want to fade those top guys and go straight to Sungjae. And of course, then we go to Tony Finau. Finau, who kind of came off that schneid last year, had his second win finally. Doesn't score that well in Lee Eldrick's course suitability metrics. And to be honest, in my aggregate model, when we're weighing like the scoring, the approach, the the fairways, the PGA stat model, he only sits number 25. But my confidence model, which uses ownership, projections, everything like that, sitting number nine. Things I like about Finau is that he's able to score on the par fives, able to score on the par threes. And what you're always going to deal with and kind of like what's been his bugaboo and why he probably hasn't won more on tour is his inability to kind of dominate the par fours, right? there. That's where the inconsistency comes in so far this year. And last year, not so much. And we saw that rising success. But last year, he dealt with fairway issues, the inability to hit fairways. So while he was putting together on the par threes, par fours, par fives, when you're missing fairways, you're missing scoring opportunities, you're missing opportunities on Sunday to win the game, win the match. So, Something to consider. I don't like his scoring so far this year, so that's something to be concerned about. Obviously, Finau is working out some kinks. I think he's going to be just fine. I would roster him in a mass multi-entry, but beyond that, I don't have a ton of love for him in like a three-max or a single entry. I think I'd rather go somewhere else. So, Cameron Smith and Terrell Hatton. Now, if you look at like them historically at this specific tournament, Terrell Hatton finished seventh last year. Which is interesting because he's not necessarily the greatest off the tee in terms of length, right? But he hits fairways. He nails approach shots. He could score on par fives. It, it'll be interesting to see how it figures it out in 2022, right? He's going to be in that like top 40 in terms of driving distance, top 40 in fairway hit percentage. But what you're really banking on for Terrell Hatton is that approach play to be, to be dialed in. Because he's just not going to be that guy who's going to get a ton of eagle opportunities, smashing those birdie opportunities on those par fives. That That's going to be the big concern. So far this year he has, but if you think of the length of course he's played, they're kind of tailored fit to his game. So it'll be interesting to see what Terrell Hatton ownership ends up becoming. 
but I do think he's a viable option. Cameron Smith, I don't know. It, it's hard for me to buy into a guy who's only played at the CJ Cup, which was a no-cut event. He finished ninth, so he knew he was getting four rounds. The guy's been struggling off the tee. And we talked about the the greens here, how they're sloped to runoff areas. I don't love Cam Smith here. And if ownership does start spiking up to that double digit, I think it's a surefire, you know, I'll play you a different weekend type of play. Down in the 9K range, Brooks Kepka, Adam Scott, Neiman, Taylor Gooch, Wise, Ortiz. I'm going to say this. I love everyone here except I have question marks on Patrick Reed. All right, Patrick Reed at 9K. Reed hasn't looked good so far in 22. He's terrible off the tee. Right? Finished 56th, second, 68th, and a missed cut. Now, the second at Bermuda is fine, but they put the driver away. You're not putting the driver away here. It's kind of an issue. Right? If if he's missing fairways, he's missing scoring opportunities, and we've seen a Patrick Reed that's been off. And his ownership's reflecting that. Right? We're down sub 10% Patrick Reed type ownership and this is a course where he could play now if you're able to bet him right that way you don't feel as bad in dfs if you, if you don't want to play him if you feel like you need to navigate to, to different waters play a different area of play that's fine just bet him right right now you can get him at 33 to 1 which is pretty good odds just to win bet him first round leader probably get even better odds right now i don't have him up in front of me the point being is that the guy could play we know that he's kind of in a rut did he figure it out he might have and that's how you take advantage of mass multi-entry. Brooks Kepka, you just know, knows this course, helped design the course. So he's obviously probably going to play well. And especially at 9,900, which I'm surprised. I really thought he was going to be priced up in that 10K range, but he's kind of a lock. He's only coming in at 14% ownership, which I thought would be higher. Um, I know a lot of people are betting him. I got him at 30 to 1. Some people got him at 28 to 1. He's down to 25 to 1 on certain sites. So there's a lot to love about Brooks Kepka. More specifically, like you look at my like confidence model, he's number 11. Aggregate model number 19. All right, he did miss the cut at the Houston Open. I think that missed cut is going to lead to just an advantage for us to, to, to leverage the field. It's going to bring down ownership. What have you done for me lately? Oh, Brooks, you missed the cut. So you've done nothing for me lately, so I'm not going to play you again. People are just too phased by that recency bias. I think that's a big deal. It's still a big issue in, you know, just DFS in general. Like, you just got to forget it. Move on, forget it, just like players do. So it's something to to consider, especially as we move forward. I just like Brooks here. I really do. I really just think there's so much to take advantage of. He ranks number 11 in my my power rankings at 9,900. Now, he's not the highest 9K guy. That's going to Aaron Wise and the ridiculous golf he's playing right now. And if you haven't been following, the guy's on fire. And you just need to ride the wave until Aaron Wise comes back down to earth. Same with Taylor Gooch. The only issue with the both of them, though, is that ownership is is creeping up. Because people aren't, they're not missing out. I know my man Rob G is going to be betting Gooch until he finally wins on tour. Right? Right, Rob? So we'll we'll see how that kind of shakes out as this week progresses, but I can most definitely see going down to someone like Carlos Ortiz, who's at ten points lower, and Gooch could end up becoming twenty two, twenty three percent. 
or paying up for someone like Adam Scott. Now, Adam Scott does not fit this course, right? He doesn't have the length, but he can most definitely hit fairways and approach. I don't know if he could put it together all four rounds, right? I don't know if he could put it together all four rounds. That's kind of a concern, especially the fact that 9,600 finished in 32nd last year, though. So we know he has played here before, and I think that's a huge advantage, actually, this week. Because if you're someone like, like, let's say, you know, you're like Matt Wolf, Cam Smith, Neiman, Reed, Cox, Leishman, Bez, Seamus Power, you haven't played here, right? You haven't even missed a cut here. That's why, that's why we'll lean towards guys like Ortiz, Gooch, Kepka, Burns, Terrell Hatton, Aaron Wise, because they've played here. They've had success here. That's top 11 right there that I just mentioned. HV3, HV, HV3 we'll get to him a little bit later, but he, he finished 15th. He's 7,700. So these are all viable options as we break down this slate. And you kind of got to just pick your poison. If you're going to go that narrative of, okay, you played here last year, you know the course. There's a ton of player pool right there that I think are all options for you to play this week. Right? There are definitely options to play this week. You look at the top. Let's just look at the top 11, returning top 11 from last year. That's Adam Long, Shane Lowry, Aaron Wise, Jason Day, Mackenzie Hughes, Terrell Hatton, Sam Burns, Seb Straka, Brooks Kepka, Taylor Gooch, and Carlos Ortiz. Ortiz who won. First time on tour. Of these guys that I just mentioned, only two of them have never won on tour. That's Taylor Gooch, we know it's coming, and Seb Straka, who's never won on tour, who... Unlikely that it's ever going to come, but still, I'm going to first round leader bet the shit out of that one. Guy's 28 years old. We know Sepp's issues. We know that he can't putt. I get that. We know that he, he has problems on approach, but if the guy's ever going to dial it in, let, let's go back to former success, right? So he's the outlier, right? Because everyone you look at in that range is, is 7K or above, and then there's Sepp Straka, who's 6,700. The average age of that finish, by the way, the highest is Lowry at 34 years old. Everyone else is younger than him and in their 20s or, or low 30s. So the first time we get to anyone who's of age that has played this tournament before is Charlie Hoffman at 7,300. He's 44 years old, turning 45. So this might be a young man's course that you want to kind of fade those guys based on age, depending on price something that you guys got to navigate as you guys build your lineups and get to your player pool. Continuing on with this 9K range, uh, Neiman's in play, Adam Scott. I don't love Adam Scott at 9,600. I don't think he can top 10. Um, famous last words, right? And then, of course, Aaron Wise, Gooch. We, we kind of touched upon them. We've, we've been, they've been big in the industry in huge plays as we progressed. So, all right, down to the 8K range. And there goes Russell Henley all the way down to Max Homa, Lanto Griffin, Lowry, Tringale, Power, McNeely, Bez, Leishman, Cox, and Russell Henley. I got problems with Kokrak and Leishman. Now, from a betting standpoint, I'm going to bet Cox. Um, I think that the number's too high at 55 to 1, so I'm going to take advantage of that. But there are, there are some concerning trends with these two specifically in 2022. Both of them are struggling off the tee. Whether it's hitting fairways, whether it's distance, um, whether you know we're looking at ball striking issues like on approach for Kokrak, we're looking at scrambling issues this year so far for Leishman. 
Um, these kind of fit that mold of guys that you want to play, but potentially could have issues. And we, we know Kokrak traditionally is someone who struggles with scrambling. If he's missing his, his, his greens on approach, it's going to be an issue. Now we've seen Cokes have massive success at Augusta. So he does that, have that, like he does have that in his pocket. And, and looking at the course suitability metric ran by Lee Eldrick, both of them are top 35. In my overall stat model, we have 15th and then 50th for Leishman. I think I'm going to play the game in DFS with them is like, we'll wait and see. And we'll see how you guys do and potential showdown plays and keep those in my back pocket for that and see how they do in round one. And hopefully they don't, you know, smash and grab and take everything away and maybe some edge that we might have in round two and three and four other showdown plays. But I think there's an advantage here to kind of feeding them for your main weekend long lineup and then kind of going in a different route. So Russell Henley, everyone's guy that they love to hate so far in 2021, he you know, he lacked the driving distance, but he hit fairways. Wasn't a huge score on par fives. But now you look at 22, where we played these shorter courses. And, of course, the par fives look in the top 30. Still look lacking in driving distance, but hitting fairways because he's playing courses that just where you don't really need to have the big wood. The big thing at 8,900, he finished 29th here last year. Again, experience here, I think, is key. Massive. Played last weekend at the, at the Mayakoba, finished 56th. Has not missed a cut so far this year. It's 3-for-3 three three with an average finishing position of 23rd place. on the or 34th on the season in his last five tournaments, 23rd. So I think Russell Henley is an option here. 8,900 is a bit pricey. I don't love that price. But he's just so good at putting on quick Bermuda greens. So I kind of want to take advantage of that. Bez. Oh, my God. You just got to take your shots. I think this is it. The guy is a master at putting on quick Bermuda greens. Certain aspects of his game obviously don't fit this, right? He's not the best scorer on tour. He's not the best approach player on tour. And he's, he's let's be realistic, he's, he's not the best off the tee on tour. But you look at a guy who has enormous upside is a master around the green. All right, we, we, we haven't seen him yet this year, by the way. We haven't seen him. Yet. We haven't seen him win on tour. Um, but I think there's a lot to be said for the 27-year-old. Coming from South Africa, you know, I know you're playing the Zoiza, but I, we have seen some correlation between South African players and Bermuda grass greens and, and, and the similarities in them in terms of like, not necessarily how the ball lays, but the thickness, right? Remember, these are Bermuda fairways, Bermuda rough, Bermuda greens. It's a little bit different. It's going to be similar to what they see in South Africa with the Zoiza fairway penal- penalty area and the Zoiza fairways and, and everything else that you're looking at. So make sure that you keep your eye on Bez and the ownership. Right now we're looking at just roughly a little bit over 11 12%. We'll see if that number increases. And then, of course, my guy Cameron Chingale, favorite name, playing solid since last season i'm going to continue to to ride this wave maybe not the best course fit for him but we have seen success 29th place last year he's doing great on par Uh, he's doing great on par fours par fives and par threes so far this season and he's eighth in birdie average so that that's something to key in on i'm sorry that's 2021 so that's how good he was playing last year looking at this year first in rounds in the 60s 32nd in birdie average 19th in par five struggling on those par threes so potential issues there for for 
Tringale if you are going to roster him, but he's coming in at sub 10%. And, of course, Shane Lowry, the Florida resident. Yes, he's from Ireland, but lives in Florida. Has been struggling off the tee so far in 2022. And let's be realistic. The big bugaboo in his game is is the bogey avoidance. And if you're struggling off the tee, he's going to have a short weekend. He's going to be checked out comes, you know, come Friday. But there's just tons of upside here for Lowry to take advantage. He did miss the cut last weekend. So that is a little bit concerning. So did Tringale. Um, but I don't necessarily anticipate that either one of these guys will be missing the cut again. So when you're looking at Tringale, you're looking at Lowry, you're looking at the last time they missed back-to-back cuts. The last time that Tringale did that, back-to-back missed cuts. was 2018 at the Wyndham Canadian Open, Barbasol, John Deere, and the Greenbrier. He was obviously going through a ton of stuff there. All right, back-to-back missed cuts for Lowry was back September, August with the Northern Trust and then the Fortnite Championship, which I'm really not going to count because they were so separated. He obviously took time off between the Northern Trust and, and the Fortinet. So, like, if we're going to look at something more substantial – we're looking at the Schwabs, the Heritage. So while it's more common for Lowry, I do think that there's something to be said that it's it's not commonplace necessarily for Shane Lowry to miss back-to-back cuts. But, you know, I wouldn't be surprised. I wouldn't be surprised, all right? I wouldn't be surprised at all. So the 7 and 6K range do leave some players to be desired. But, you know, your ownership is going to tailor itself to known guys. People are going to HV3. They're going to go to Mito. A lot of love is going to, to Chad Ramey right now. I like Johnny Vegas. He's coming in at low owned. Streelman's coming in low owned. But the first guy I want to talk about is Charlie Hoffman. All right. He's popping in a lot of my models. And changed his game off the tee with driving distance. He's able to score. But... At 7,300, you need top 20. I'm not sure at 7,400 yards that Charlie Hoffman can do it for all four rounds. 7,300. My bad. Right? Can he do that, that type of style, that play in the wind all four rounds? Now, he gets a huge break on Friday. Right, We already looked at the weather. It's going to be less than 10 miles per hour currently all day. We know he's had success here before. He finished 29th last year, but he's coming off a missed cut. He hasn't looked really sharp this year so far. 22nd, 39th, 44th, 68th, 28th, and and we've seen plenty of upside from Charlie Hoffman. And I kind of talked about this last year. He looked great, right? But he ran out of juice. He ran out of steam. Like you look at this year, and I think it's more a proper representation of the golfer Charlie Hoffman is now. He's missing fairways. He ranks 101st in 2022 in fairway hit percentage. 80th in strokes gain on par fives because he's missing all these fairways. Like I don't think I'm going to go with Hoffman in a single entry. And we talked about the age difference. He's 44 years old. This isn't an Augusta where you can finesse it. You do need power here to be successful. 
And I'm not saying that Charlie Hoffman can't muster it and can't muscle it down the fairway. I just don't think he can do it for four rounds at 7,300 to have it pay off in the optimal lineup for DraftKings. I think that's one of the things that I'm concerned about. Okay. So other guys in this 7K range that kind of fit that mold that I'm a little bit worried about, Ches Reeve and Taylor Moore. All right. Reeve lacks driving distance which I think is key here. And on top of that, he's missing fairways. He's struggling around the green and he's doing terrible on par fives. You look at Taylor Moore, who I think is potentially going to get some love. He's struggling on approach. And you're talking about 17th and 24th at the Shriners and the Sanderson Farms. So Chez did have kind of a little bit of reclamation last week at 33rd place after two missed cuts, but some of those tangibles I don't love. Now, historically, Historically, Chez has been solid off the tee. Like, it kind of makes no sense to, to, to say, okay, I don't want to roster Chez Reeve because of his current situation off the tee. But I think he's figured it out. We saw it last week in the 33rd place. But I just want to make you aware that there are little hiccups and bugaboos about these two guys that, while they're potentially solid plays, don't get pissed on Friday when they're missing the cut because of these issues I warned you about are coming to fruition. Vegas, Streelman, and Varner are the next three I'm going to like. Varner coming in at probably a 12, 13, 14% ownership. I see that number going up potentially. He struggled with his approach in ball striking, though. He's missing fairways so far in 2022. We have not seen him for a, for a while, so that is a concern. Um, the birth of his son is obviously playing you know, a role in how often he's playing this year. So that 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 is something to be kind of worried about. I'm not quite sure if if Varner is someone that I'm gonna go overweight on, if that makes sense. But let's be realistic. My love for HV3 could easily change. And I might put him in the core four. So we'll see as that continues on and we kind of look at ownership and how things shake out this week. The other two guys I like, Johnny Vegas, Kevin Strelman, but of course with these guys they're 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 plays that you're going to do in tournaments. You're going to deal with the putting issues, right? Johnny Vegas, his success stems from how well he puts. We know he's solid on approach. Arguably the best of the group in the field. We know that Streelman is solid on approach as well. You're just going to need to deal with the putter. If he's missing on par fours, par fives, ends up you know missing scoring opportunities, Vegas just isn't going to do well. I talked about the age factor here too. Vegas is 37, 38 years old. Streelman's 42. But they're just priced at that point at 7,500 where you kind of have to consider them, right? I mean, Vegas has won three times on tour. Streelman's won twice. So they're viable options. Jason Day, $7,400. Kind of ridiculous that we're saying that. Kind of ridiculous that we're saying that. Two guys that I like on smaller size greens and not this opportunity, CT Pan, Grio, not going to play him this weekend. Grio coming off a missed cut. Greens are too big. Putting's too important here. Just not going to do it. I loved Grio last week, and he just burned me. And it was just an opportunity for him to do well. I don't see him doing well at all on these fast greens, the fast Bermuda greens. I mean, he's not as bad as he typically is you know, elsewhere, but... Just not going to do it. They rank high in my models, but then again, that doesn't really take a lot of putting into account. And, you know, of course, you, you look at the fact that 58th last year for CT Pan and a miscut for Griot. So not going to go that route. 
Anyone else I have interest in this 7K range would be like Marty Laird, Keith Mitchell. I think Keith Mitchell's a first-round leader's a viable option. That's in play. Some guys are going to go Brian Harmon because of the finish last year or Ryan Palmer. Ryan Palmer's a little cheap at 7,100, but you're dealing with, you know, once again, with Palmer specifically putting issues. With Harmon, you're hoping that he figures it out on Bermuda. So, so it's kind of like hit or miss in that spot. So going on to the 6,000 range, Pat Perez, guys, I have interest in. Dylan Fratelli. Fratelli's put on some mean distance this past year. Uh, grew up in Texas. Went to the University of Texas, still lives in Texas. Um, so there's options there. Adams Fenson is a guy I don't think this week is someone I'm going to take the risk on just because his, tea, his off the tee game is just so brutal. And he's someone that I think is going to get some attention this week. Ownership currently has it about 2 2-3%. I think that could get up to 4 or 5% if people start diving into him and, and looking how well he's been playing. Um you know, 45th and 22nd, followed by two missed cuts and a 51st. So is there upside for Svensson? I see it. Is he going to get the ownership love that I see him getting? Potentially more. If he hovers in that 2%, I'm still not going to play him. I have no interest in that range. And luckily right now, we look at the 6K range. There's there's not a ton of chalk. Minus Sepp Straka, who's only coming in at 6%. And I, I like Sepp here in this spot. But again, you're dealing with putting. In the 6K range, just, that's basically what you're doing. You, you've got to navigate some rough waters, waters like Aaron Ray. He's terrible at scoring, right? He's brutal at scoring. Awful on par fives. Do you want that in your lineup? He's getting talked up, right? Sahith. I would totally play Sahith this week. Totally. We'd seen him dominate fast Bermuda Greens. But another guy who struggles on par fives. Remember, these are shorter par fives. So there's a lot to navigate in this 6K range. I'm going to look for the par five scorers, par three scorers. You know, Dylan Fratelli kind of fits that mold. Someone like Brandon Hagee has been looking really good on par fives. But again, I don't love his game anywhere else. So it's there's a lot of bad plays down here. Tyler Duncan is someone I could go to, right? He's looked solid so far this year off the tee. But again, another guy who's struggling on par fives. We'll see, man. See how this goes. He missed the cut last year. Um, not to say that, that that's worth anything in terms of how you're going to play it this, this season. But it, it's something that could be a potential issue, right? Could be a potential issue that we're... we're where you can maybe leverage the field, right? Could potentially leverage the field. I don't know. A lot to do in this 6K range. All right. Let's take it home. Let's take it home. Oh, you men are all alike. Seven or eight quick ones, and you're off with the boys to boast and brag. You better keep your mouth shut. Oh, I think I love him. That's it. It's over. It's all over. That is the cut lines breakdown of the Houston Open. Join us next week as we break down the RSM Classic at beautiful Sea Island Seaside Resort and Course. Of course, follow that up with the last tournament of the fall swing at the Hero. 
until we get to January in the Tournament of Champions, the Century Tournament of Champions. Sorry, Tommy. You bored all December. You bored all December. All right, special thanks to Fanshare Sports. This is Cutline. Breaking it down. I'm Mike Cavalunas at Lunas on Twitter, L-I-U-N-A-S. Go get them. Smashing cash. Peace.